Galatians chapter 3. You guys get out your Bibles real quick. This is where we've been. It's, we've been talking about living by faith. If you remember, I'm going to continue to just reroute us back through Galatians 3, 1, where it says, Oh, foolish Galatians, what are you doing going back to the law rather than living a life of faith? Uh, in Sunday school this morning, we're talking about the second commandment and how to make sure that we get the right God right. We can find the right God, but mess him up. We can kind of form him into what we want him to be. And that's what the Galatians are trying to do here is they have received Christ, but are wanting to go back to their old ways of doing things and learning to walk by faith. So as we've been looking at Galatians chapter three, something's jumped out to me uh, to kind of cause us to reroute this, this teaching. So let's just look, verse 15. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. Verse 16, God gave the promise to Abraham and his child. Notice the scripture doesn't say to his children, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, and that, of course, means Christ. Verse 17, this is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. What we're talking about here is how the law, when the law came, it did not undo the promise that God had given Abraham. And this promise that God gave Abraham was to Abraham and to his child, not necessarily to his descendants, but to his child, meaning in the lineage of Abraham would come Christ. And that promise goes to there. And therefore, as we continue to read Galatians chapter 3, as long as we are a believer in Christ, born again and have received Christ, we are the heirs of Christ, and Christ is an heir of Abraham's blessing. Are you with me? That was a mouthful. And on Wednesday night, I was telling the group, we have small group on Wednesday night, was kind of diving back into this. And I believe part of the reason why God tells us what his blessings are is so that we can look behind. Uh, I use this example of a wake, like a boat makes a wake. And what is in my wake? Is God's blessing showing up or is it not? God's telling us what his blessing is so that we can recognize whether God is with us or not. And if God's not with us, did he miss it somewhere? Was he not able to reach me? Has, has something broken on God's side? No, it's not broken. His promise is not broken. It can't be broken. The problem has to be on our side. So that's where Galatians is saying, hey, Galatians, you've broken, you've broken life. Literally. Your life's broken because you're wanting to go back to following these rules and putting all the weight on yourself. By the way, you can't do it. You never were called to do it. I gave you these rules to show you you couldn't do it. The law was given to us to show us that we needed a Savior because all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. No matter how great you think you are, somewhere along the line, you have sinned. How do I know that? The Bible tells me so. And the Bible has never proved itself wrong, ever, in all history, ever. We are sinners. 
And the law shows us we need God. But here we saw in Abraham, uh, in Galatians chapter 3, in the first part, saying, don't go back. You can't do this. So, what I want to go to and start to look at today is this promise of Abraham. If that's something that we are uh, heirs of, we are to inherit this promise, what is it? What should I be inheriting? What should be going on in my life now? So, in the beginning, God the Father through this agency of his eternal son, created out of nothing, just from his words, created the earth. And moment by moment, he is holding all these things in his hands. By the same word of power, so that everything which comes into existence is his. Everything that we see has been done by God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's all God's. Somebody say amen. God owns all things, and he has a purpose for all things. And on him, all things depend absolutely. And as the owner of the world, he has a right to do with the things of the world as he chooses. This is pretty important. We've got to accept God and who he is. And he is the God of this earth. He is the God of heavens and the earth. He's created it all. It's a big piece. And what pleases him is the fulfillment of his purpose to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. Therefore, the full-time vocation of all of God's people is to glorify him by acknowledging his lordship and by living in complete childlike dependence on his mercy to give us everything that he needs because he is good. Now, I know I'm kind of a little wordy this morning. I don't like being like that, but I also don't like not, uh, I don't like missing something. God is good, and it is his good pleasure to pour out his glory upon us. It is his good pleasure for us to worship him. That's why this morning is we, I don't know if you caught the theme of this morning, and this was not intended by the people that put the songs together, but it was all about his name. And what Cody wound up spontaneously singing was his name. I don't know if you caught that, but it was very simple. But right on target, Jesus. That's all we said was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But as we go back to Genesis chapter 3, even though God's done everything, Genesis chapter 3 tells us about how our first parents became enamored by the possibility of not relying on God. This goes exactly back to Galatians chapter 3 where the people have received Christ but are wanting to go back to not relying on God, relying on themselves to fulfill the law. Right here at the very beginning... Adam and Eve, not living for God's glory, not advancing his purpose in creation, lured by Satan, they chose rather to reject God's loving counsel and to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil so they could become like God. So, and in them falling, all of man fell. The moment of man's fall into sin was the moment when childlike dependence on the heavenly Father became uncomfortable, distasteful, and unfulfilling. 
And the fall was, the, was complete when the desire of man to rule his own life and promote his own glory became so strong that that was the direction that he desired to go, that man desired to go in a different direction. I'm telling you, from day one to today, we still battle this. You're going to have an opportunity today to turn your life around and to seek back after Christ and his righteousness or go your own way. This does, I don't believe that this stops, even as Justin said in, in talking about the offering, when, whenever we reach that place of no longer needing forgiveness, the, the moment where we don't need to worry about whether we're following God or not isn't going to end until we get there. Why? Because we have flesh. And I'm going to show you, your flesh will be at war with God until the end. We come into this world with a nature that is prone to sin. Some of you are here today and you're saying, man, I, I, am just, I am just a sin factory just waiting to happen. That is due to the world. We live in a sin nature. You're not the bad one. We all are. All of us. We've all missed it. From the beginning of human history through all generations, it's been this sin of self-reliance and self-exaltation. It's not just the big crimes that inflame God, but it's this self-deification, meaning we're always, again, it goes right back to our Sunday school class, we're always replacing God with another idol. It's daily. It's more than daily. The natural heart will not submit to God. Romans 8, verse 7. I want you to catch this scripture. Romans 8, 7. The sinful nature is always hostile toward God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. So will this be a challenge until the day you die? Yes. Why? Because God told us. Because you're feeling this doesn't mean you're the, you're the bad one. It just means you have flesh, and flesh is going to be at war with God until the end. That's why he gave us Christ, to be able to war against the flesh, because on our own, without Christ, we can't do it. Our flesh wins. What's that uh, John Cougar song? I fought the well, and the law always won. Yeah, I fought authority, and authority always wins. Uh, it's biblical. Our flesh is at war with God, due to us living in a sin-natured world. So the fact that I still can have the potential of having negative thoughts and negative decisions is because of the world we live in. But because of Christ in me, I can overcome. Again, going back to Galatians chapter 3, the problem is when you start to try to do it on your own, your flesh is going to win. And in turn, lose. Isaiah chapter 48 verse 11 says, for my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. For how should my name be profaned? And I will not give my glory to another. So can, can you see what's being said here? That's basically saying he will not be a part of sin. How should my name be profaned? Every time a Christian sins, you are, you are taking the Lord's name in vain. 
right? I know a lot of times we want to think it's, the, it's us saying GD or something like that that takes the Lord's name in vain. Nope. When Christ stamps his name on my heart and I sin, I profane God. And it says here, how should my name be profaned? And I will not give my glory to another. So what I'm wanting you to catch is there's a tremendous chasm between me and God. Can anybody catch it? He won't give his glory to another. He won't give his glory to sin, and I'm sin. So he has given us Christ to meet that gap, to make me right again. That's why, again, in Galatians, the people, even though they're taking the word and they're trying to do it on themselves, have removed Christ. Well, I want you to catch with Abraham. Abraham didn't have Christ, but he had belief in God, which is faith. It is that connection, is your faith. So we see here there's this great gap between sin and God, and that connection is Christ. So we arrive at this point of history to prove such importance in in our life because God is doing something great here in Abraham. God's doing something great here in Abraham. So I want to ask you, why didn't God just go ahead and send Christ then? Why didn't he just go ahead and send Christ then? And it's, a, it's an answer I don't have for you. Why, why didn't he just do it from the very beginning? But I believe it is to show us how God wants to work through you. That God has a plan for you. If you were to go and look at the history of Abraham, his descendants were idol worshipers. There was nothing special about Abraham. He came, from a, he came from a dysfunctional background. I'll give you the scripture reference. It's in Joshua chapter 24. It tells us about the background of Abram, that his parents were worshipers of false gods. But God picks out Abraham. And it says here in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, if you remember, God changed Abraham's name to, from Abram to Abraham. So we see Abram, that's still Abraham. Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So I believe that God is trying to say one reason why he didn't send Jesus at this point is because he wanted to show us how God wants to work through you. God wants to work through me. He wants to work through this church. He wants to work through our city. He wants to work through this nation. He wants to work through us. I will bless you. Man, Abraham, Abram, a descendant of idol worshipers. If you go look at the history of Paul, Paul did not have a great history. Yet he used him to write two-thirds of the Bible. God wants to use you. If you go and study the disciples, they were partiers, tax collectors, the bottom of the barrel. God wants to use you. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. God does. And he still chooses you. You have an Abraham moment this morning. Now, can you imagine being a family of idol worshipers and God saying, I want you to leave everything 
and I'm not going to tell you where you're going, and I'm not going to tell you what you're going to do, but leave. And if you'll leave, I'll bless you. Do you know why God chose Abraham? Because of his faith. He couldn't see it. He didn't know what it was going to be, but he trusted God. Part of the reason you're here in this church is to develop trust in God. You're going to hear testimonies. You're going to hear war stories. You're going to hear wounded people. You're going to hear recovering people to be able to prepare you to trust in God because God's calling you out. But you've got to get that trust built. Trust has to be built. Just by the grace of God, God took this undeserving idolater and said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. The main thing I want you to catch this morning is that God's 4,000-year-old relation to Abraham is so important to your life as a believer today. It's why Paul goes back and brings it back into our uh, teaching in Galatians. Why is he talking? Why is... Uh, why when the Galatians want to turn back to the law, does he bring out Abraham's blessing to them? I believe one big reason is because he's saying, if you go this direction, you're going to miss this. There is incredible blessings that come with serving Christ. I think sometimes we just get the the message that we just need to do this and it's just the right thing to do and it's just what good people do. No, 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 no. God has incredible blessing for you. I grew up in a household that was blessed. Now, my mom and dad didn't always have everything, but my my family were blessed uh, in business and I grew up a pretty blessed child. Many of you may not have ever lived that kind of life. I want you to know a blessed life is better than a non-blessed life. And you may not have ever experienced the blessings of God. Well, enough of that. It's time that we start experiencing it again. Because God wants to bless us. And I may just be talking complete like I'm talking another language to you because you don't understand that blessing. And it is not the reason that we pursue God, but it is a benefit of pursuing God. God blessed me out of getting into his word for the wrong reasons. God really doesn't care how you get there just as long as you start coming toward him. It could be for the wrong reasons totally. I got, in, I got to a regular reading of the word of God out of anger. Somebody made me feel guilty for it, my wife, and... She just, nonchal- not nonchalantly, I don't think she does much things nonchalantly, but um, she just asked me, what, what is your daily reading? I'm like, I don't have one. You're leading worship and you don't have a daily reading of the Bible? No. And it just made me mad. I don't like anybody telling me what to do. It's another sign of a fool in the Word of God. If you go look at people who won't take correction, they're, stu- they're stupid. And that was me. But... I told her to leave me alone, and then out of spite, I started reading the Bible. I'm not kidding. That's why I did it. 
get her off my back. Can anybody relate? I don't mean about your reading of the Bible. I mean trying to get your spouse off your back. She really wasn't on my back. In fact, it was the Holy Spirit speaking through her, bringing conviction to my heart, but I was taking it the wrong way. But I still did it. Changed my life. It's never been the same. Have there been challenges? Yes, there have. But I'm telling you, God just wants you. Even if it's for a backwards way of getting you. If something I say today can get you on the right track, God will rejoice. All of heaven will rejoice. So I want you to know there are benefits to serving Christ. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. It says, I want to show you something here. Um, everything written about Abraham in Romans 15, 4, I'm going to show it to you in just a second. I'm going to give you a different translation. Everything written about Abraham was written for your instruction, that the steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures that you might have hope. Put up 15, 4 if you don't mind. Such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Not all of God's promises are just when we get to heaven. There are promises for here on earth. The problem is we have got to hang in there. We have got to be encouraging one another, and we've got to have hope that God's going to fulfill those promises here on earth for your job, for your finances, for your marriage, for your kids, for your whatever, your health. God is a God of this earth and heaven, not just heaven. He is the God of heaven and the earth. Even though Satan is still here, Satan does not trump God. They are not on the same playing field. Even though Satan is trying. He's trying to play the same game with God, but God will always win. Satan is still here in the earth. We are still at war, and he is way stronger than you. It's, not, it's non-comparable. You can't compare the strength of Satan and your strength. But with Christ, he has no fight. He has no power. Satan literally has no power. As long as I'm fighting him with Christ. There are blessings. And the, the three things that I want to be able to show to you through this very short series, I hope I can probably even be done uh, in a week or two, are these three things. What were the promises to Abraham? What are the conditions that had to be met? And who are the heirs of this promise today? Church, Christians mess this up. This whole name it and claim it type thing has conditions. God has a kingdom. He has rules to his kingdom. Those rules will never be broken. They will always prove to be true. But your messed up version of them won't. You've been taught weird. You've believed weird. And you've blamed God when it hasn't showed up for you. Everybody say amen. And it's very important that we get God.
We don't have to worry about his blessings. Deuteronomy 28 tells us that they'll come find us and overtake us. But he tells us those blessings to be able to recognize whether I've got God with me or not. You may say, Pastor, when we learn these blessings, I don't believe I have any of them. Well, great. We are going for it. And God is a God who blesses. Exceedingly abundantly more than we could think or ask. He can do so much more than what you could even work up. I want to say conjure up. Work up. He is so good. God is a God who blesses. God's children are blessed. You may be here today and say, I do, I have not experienced that. Go with me. Let's get in the word together. Get into Galatians chapter 3. Start studying uh, Abraham and his life. You start digging. It's not going to just happen for 30 minutes here on stage on Sunday morning. It's going to require your digging, your living, your walking, your doing. Not just be hearers of the word, but doers. You want to be blessed? Be a doer of the word. God's watching over his word, waiting to perform it. But if you're not doing it, he's not performing it. It's time to live a changed life. That's why we're going to go into what are the blessings of Abraham. I want you to know that whenever your parent dies and he has a will, you're looking to see what you get. Do the same thing with God. God, what am I supposed to be getting as a Christian? What are, do you go to work and do you find out what the benefits are? Or do you just hope they show up and you know whatever shows is great? No, I, that's part of the negotiation of the job. What do I get? Hey, I didn't get my health insurance this week. They're not going to notice it. I've got to ask for it. Hey, God, you're supposed to be blessing me. Hey, I'm glad you asked. Get in my word. I'll show you how to lead you under that. Hey, God, I'm missing this. Great. My promises for you is that you don't miss that. We need to get you right back in line right here. Church, God's going to change you, but you're going to have to do some digging. You're going to have to do some looking. It says ask, seek, knock. I don't do that for you. You ask, you seek, you knock. God's going to answer. You're going to find him. God's going to open. Amen? Amen. You'll stand up with me. I'm going to bless you. That was laying a lot of groundwork. I kind of feel like I kind of stumbled over that a little bit. I want you to, to encourage you. Hang in there. The blessings of Abraham are great, and they are for me. They are for you. This stuff can't be undone. God's promises can't be undone. They are for me. They are for you. They are for this church. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you, Lord, that we be able to grasp what it is that you're trying to say today through Galatians chapter 3, Lord, through Abraham, through his blessings, through this covenant that you made with him that is a promise to us because it was a promise to Christ. God, help us. Help us to seek you, to get in your word and to learn who you are. And God, as we learn that we start doing, we start believing, our faith get increased. 
God, so many times we're so, we so stumble because we can't see it. Well, that's not faith. Faith is when we do it when we don't see it. Just ask you to help us, Lord. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to teach us. We believe in you, Holy Spirit. We believe you have filled us and you are in us, teaching us, guiding us, leading us. You may be here today and you may have never made that first time commitment to Christ. It says in his word that all have sinned and fall short. You're not alone. We are all sinners. But if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. If you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that he died and he arose after the third day that you will be saved. Today, your part is to believe and to confess, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I believe your word. I believe you are alive. Holy Spirit, fill my heart. Come into my heart. I receive you, Spirit of Jesus. Change my life. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to just show us what these blessings of Abraham are. And show us how to be sure that we are right in line with you. That we are living a Christ-filled life. Change us. Change our church. Right now, I just proclaim over this week, pray for healing. Pray for Jamie Boykin, um, who is in the hospital right now. If you all know big, big teddy bear Jamie. Um, just having problems with his leg. We just pray that that infection go away, that he be completely healed. Uh, just for Andrew and Juanita and, and the... Uh, heart and stuff. I'm sorry, I'm even picking people out. I'll stop doing that. But God, you know what's going on. We need healing. We need breakthrough. We've got job issues. I pray for open doors uh, just to open uh, for favor and for your blessing to be upon us, for our kids to be free of drugs and, and bad decisions. God, I just pray for breakthrough over our minds, over our hearts, over our spirit. Breakthrough this week because we're seeking you and because we love you. And Lord, help us to love on this world that's hurting as we go out from here. Help us to make a difference in people's lives because Christ is in us. And just bless us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you.